You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. We are so excited to be doing a show about magical Monaco. I fell in love with Monaco. It's only the second smallest nation on earth. It's, a, it's technically a principality, but it is a UN voting nation. It's only two square kilometers. Pretty small, but think of all the worldwide fame it has for Monte Carlo, for the Grand Prix, and just for luxury in general. It packs a punch. And I kind of have a theory as to why they've just formed their own little nation. It, it has nothing to do with history or science or, or anything like that. <laughs> what, right, get, what's your theory? No, I could I could spend several minutes explaining to you how the, this little beautiful principality developed and how it came to be self-governed and all of that. But here's my theory. They looked around. They said, hey, we got a beach. We got this really cool gaming halls. We've got these really great buildings we've got some great history good food good food <laughs> good shopping little palace little palace <laughs> we're we're good here on our own yeah we don't, <laughs> we don't need your we'll, help <laughs> we'll call you if we need anything but we think we've got it covered here because i really can't think of a another two kilometer area i've been into on this planet where they didn't have such a diverse variety of offerings no, it's diverse, and it is just, I, I can't explain it. Magical Monaco is about, it's magical. I've always, you know, it's kind of one of those places that hearing about Grace Kelly or, you know, seeing all the James Bond movies, it's just that place that you go, it's on my bucket list, and I got to check it off. Beyond all those things we've just been talking about, what we discovered when we went there is it's just a great place to hang out and kind of kick around and, and go People see. People watch. And go see a few things as tourists. Yeah. And we saw more luxury cars there. That's true. In, we did a little shopping in about three or four days. Our now Ferrari. We've, lived in, we've lived in L.A. and New York. Yeah. And, New York, nobody drives, but, so it's okay. Well, but in L.A. they do. And, and we saw more, you know, just top-end luxury cars there in three or four days than we've seen yeah, you, in the rest of our lives. Yeah, you trip over them. Yeah. But we don't want to give you the impression that you've got to be part of the Billionaires Club to go to Monaco. Yeah, we're just a little shy, we're, as you'll hear. We're just, <laughs> just a dollar or two. A few hundred ship million shy of that. <laughs> go hang out by the beach. Go tour the Prince's Palace. Go to some cool museums. Go have a great dinner. Go do some fun shopping. Go hang out by the marina. All these really cool things you can do while you're there. And one of the great things we wanted to do is do what the locals do. So we flew into the Nice Airport for, if you don't know, that is the local airport there, the Nice Airport. And how did we get to Monaco? We took a helicopter. We went with Heliair Monaco or Heliair Monaco, depending on how you want to say it. By the way, everything there is trilingual, English, French, Italian. You can't go wrong. That's true. But it was beautiful flying into Monaco because you come in from the sea. You can see how Monaco is just this set of mountains rising out of the sea. And the nation, as it were, is built up going up these mountains. And yeah, that was one thing that really surprised me is the landscape. I mean, right. I guess sometimes I just, I don't know what I had in mind, but like looking at the maps and the pictures, I, I certainly knew that there was some cliffs there and everything. But I didn't realize that the whole entire principality is literally on a little cliff. Yeah, and you look at the map and you think, oh, this is just 50 yards from that, but it's actually, you're going you're going up here and over there. Yeah, you have to cut through. There, there are little walking places we went through. We had to cut through mountains. Yeah, public elevators to different places. <laughs> and it's really cool because, you know, we just said that, oh, it's two kilometers square, and you're thinking, oh, I could walk across that in 20 minutes. But you can't because there's so much up and down and it creates so many interesting experiences going in different places and then so many incredible views looking down over the sea. Today on the show we have two great interviews to help us navigate through this wonderful city. Our first interview is with Visit Monaco. They're going to be giving us some great ideas for when you plan your own trip there. Of course you're going to need a place to stay while you're there. There's so many great and wonderful choices in Monaco. We actually stayed at a couple hotels while we were there but one of them was the Fairmont Monte Carlo which is famous for their hairpin turn in the Grand Prix. So we were really lucky to get a hold of them. They actually know a lot about the whole area and talk about a few of the different hotels there in the city. 
But before we do all of that, we've first got to do hot topics in travel. That's right. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Check us out online at TravelBrigade.com. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. What's not? What's trending? Next up, this week's picks for travel news and hot topics in travel. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Today, our show on Monaco, beautiful Monte Carlo and Monaco. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. And it's time for Hot Topics in Travel. I want you to picture one of the worst travel situations you can be in and it's this you get into your destination you get off the plane at like 6 a.m because you took the overnighter been there done that (laughs) you can't check into your hotel until 1 p.m or that's if you called and said please please give me an early check-in 1 p.m you might be talking closer to 5 p.m now, and you're I, dead on your feet. That's true. I will tell you one thing. that If I ever need to, like, pull a favor, that like, – I don't need first-class seats. I don't need a higher, you know, a better room. What I want is when I do these flights over, I want my bed. That's what I want. The reason I bring that up is today's article that I really liked was 10 Ways to Improve the Travel Industry Right Now. It's on CNN Travel. It's by James Durston and Chuck Thompson. And out of the 10, there were a couple that really sort of opened my eyes and got me thinking, hey, yeah, why why don't we have that? And one was hotels coming up with new ways to do check-in times. You hate to get in at 6 and not be able to check in until the late afternoon. Conversely, you hate to get up and leave at 5 and you've left your room vacant till 11 a.m. <laughs> you're, you're paying for it. Their idea is why can't hotels in this world of 24-7 when everybody's got you know, all hours policies, why haven't hotels caught up? You know, that's a really good point. There, I, think, I can't tell you how many times, well, we've done it. We've checked into hotels after midnight just to get six hours of sleep to get up and leave. Like we're not spending our 24 hours there, that's for sure. Well, I can tell you why they haven't done it. Probably the biggest reason is historically hotels that rented for less than a night <laughs> <laughs> were known for certain things. And so your big hotel chains... I swear that's not why we did it. I swear. (laughs) Your big hotel chains don't want to say, hey, yeah, we'll rent to you for two hours, wink, wink. But why couldn't hotels say, hey, if you're out by 8 a.m., we're going to knock this much off the price. Or, hey, if you will wait and check in after 5 p.m., we'll knock this much off the price. On the other end, if you want to guarantee a 6 a.m., you know, like if you're going to get off a flight at 6 a.m. after an overnight and you're only going to be there for one night to catch another flight, which is what we've done, and you're literally going to be leaving at 5 o'clock in the morning, that should be an option as well. Yeah, that you would you would be willing to pay more to check in at 8 a.m. Oh. as opposed to waiting. Yes, I would. I mean, I can think of many times when, yeah, I'd be willing to pay, you know. And, and for late checkout because sometimes yeah. we – sometimes we travel and we don't get a flight because we want another full day. We're trying to get stuff done. We don't want to fly until the evening, and we have to be out at 11 o'clock and not have a flight till like, let's say, 8. And in this age of computers and Internet and everything and constantly updating things, you would think that hotels could say, oh, yeah, we'll have this room. These people are checking out by 6, so we'll have it ready by 8. These people, Sort of like a car rental company people. Yeah. They do it. And they were pointing out whoever can start doing this, and I'm, I'm guessing that somebody's going to start doing it with business travelers, and it will expand from there. Whoever can start doing this might be the next big thing in True. hotels. Good point. The other one they had that I loved is let's develop a universal plug-in. Oh, yeah. And I hadn't thought of this before either. I thought, well, you know, you go to different countries, and you know, and they have their different systems, and that's just the way it is. But they pointed out it used to be that way with computers. Now everybody has a USB. Yeah. Why That's can't we true. do that? And apparently they've already developed a system in China that will hopefully be expanding. The one thing, I, I mean, I have my little bag of converters and travel plugs. <laughs> but, out. And you're not even sure they're going to work. Yeah, I just grab them all. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I have found a few that are, that are kind of my go-tos, but if they don't fit right or – I'm not talking about in the – it's obviously the right connector, but if they're not tight enough between the two, then you have appliances go on and off and – that's just one of my least favorite things. I actually end up buying 
sometimes if I'm traveling for a little while, I end up buying some things when I'm there just to have the local plug. Yeah, I, it would make traveling so much easier if you just knew you could buy one plug and go with it. That's a good point. So some great ideas on there. Check it out. Again, it's on CNN Travel. You're listening to Travel Brigade. We're going to come back. We've got a great interview with Visit Monaco. They're going to tell you all sorts of great things to do when you visit this terrific little kingdom by the sea. Yes, make sure that you check us out on our Facebook, Travel Brigade, and follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. Not sure where to go, what to do, and where to sleep? Up next, hot hotels, unique activities, and top attractions in our destination city. Check it out. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show, talking today about this lovely principality of Monaco. This is Kathleen Curry with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. After we visited Monaco, when we got back, people would ask us, what's it like? And a lot of times when you go someplace, you're telling your friends about it when you get back home and you're comparing it to something else. The problem I ran into here was I couldn't think of what to compare Monaco to. Even though it's a very small country geographically, it's its its own world when you get in there. Here to tell us more about it is the director of Visit Monaco, Mr. William Rose. Welcome, William. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. We love Monaco. It was a magical experience when we were there, and it was just so charming. It's all the things you have wrapped in your head from the commercials and the movies. <laughs> it's all there and all real, just just when you get there. Well, it's uh, what is very good about Monaco is that it's both a country and a legend, in fact. Because Monaco has always been the place, well, not always, because for 150 years, it has been the place where princes, princess, but also movie stars go and have fun. That's the kind of uh, thing you, you do. You go to Monaco just to sit where Winston Churchill, for example, has been seated, or Errol Flynn, or more recently you have all these movies that have been, that have been shot in Monaco, like Iron Man II, for example, uh, or, of course, the Princess Grace movie, because Princess Grace is very famous in Monaco, and she's uh, everywhere in Monaco. You can find her uh, in the path of the street. You can find her in the, the bars. You can find some uh, pictures of her. And everybody speaks about Princess Grace, of course, because she left an heritage that could be seen in the streets and an heritage of glamour and elegance that could be also lived when you come here. I think one thing that we were a little taken back by and didn't realize is, is just the general geographic of the town and how you know, you're on these mountainous cliffs and you're lo- overlooking the sea, and I don't know what I had in my head. Of course, I probably wasn't thinking Monaco was flat, but it's certainly far from it. Oh, yes, of course, and what, what is absolutely unique in Monaco is that in such a small country, you can be seated in your hotel room and see on the right one country, France, in front of you one country, Monaco, and on your left one country, Italy. That's absolutely unique because when you're on a small hill in Monaco, because you've got a lot of hills, facing the sea, uh, you can see three countries in only one view. That's absolutely unique. One of the things we did that we really enjoyed was going to visit the Prince's Palace and the neighborhood around it and seeing the changing of the guard and getting to tour the Prince's Palace. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Of course. What is really funny is that the changing of the guard, in fact, is just a, a moment like you can see in Buckingham Palace, but on a small scale, of right. course, because Monaco is small. This is a way to see the European heritage, in fact, our European traditions, the way that we respect the Prince is to go and see the changing of the guard from, from time to time because it reminds us that we have a prince and it's a bit unique in uh, Europe because uh, our prince is a, the ruler of the country, is the one who does decide of the laws and is the one who is really dear to every art of the Monegas. And one of the things about that is that that's something that you could take and it would be fun for your kids to do. We didn't have our kids with us, but it's something that would be fun for kids to do. And one thing we were not expecting is, you know, Monaco is known for the casinos and the fast cars, but there were also a lot of things we did there that are very family-friendly. Going to the beach, we went to some restaurants down on the dock that had people were there with their kids. It's, it's very family-friendly. We were really a little bit surprised by that. Of course, because you know that basically Monaco has been designed for, let's say, people with high revenues. But at the end of the 19th century and even at the beginning of the 20th century, people with that kind of money didn't have kids. But right now, at the beginning of the 21st century, people who tend to have money, uh, let's say they are a bit more 
young, but then <laughs> right. so they have children. <laughs> so we decided uh, it, it's it's a bit recent. Let's say it, that it has got ten years, not more. But for ten years, we do a lot of efforts to welcome children. We've got parks. We've got a special place that is dedicated for them for video games with bullying, these kind of things. It's a place called Nibox, and it's just in front of the Fairmont Hotel. It's right in the center of Monte Carlo, and it's a place absolutely reserved for children. You can even leave your children there. They around nine, ten. You can leave them there. It's absolutely safe. What? What? I didn't know that. I would have brought our kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's very safe. It's, uh, the, the point is that Monaco is the safest place in the world. So you can, uh, believe me, you can uh, even leave the children in the, inside the Nibos. The only point is that they will spend a lot of money. But for the rest. <laughs> I, what is the per capita for Ferraris, Bentleys, Porsches? <laughs> This is the highest in the world, obviously. But it doesn't mean that when you don't have money, you don't have fun. It doesn't mean that at all, because I always say that Monaco is meant for everybody. We, you know, we certainly were just a little shy of the Billionaires Club. <laughs> but we had an amazing time there. But it was, I mean, there is sort of like this, you feel really comfortable regardless of where you're staying or what you're doing. I saw lots of different types of people visiting. But the other thing is there is this really glamorous part, you know, when you're by the casino and you see all these amazing cars and not just one or two, but the whole entire street full of these amazing cars. And it, it is sort of, you know, really fun. It's kind of like a little fantasy. It is. It's part of the attraction. In fact, when they can, the people of the casino just brings out the Ferraris, let's say, because a lot of people want to, to see these Ferraris and more or less than the people who drive these Ferraris <laughs> are very happy that everybody sees that they can go to the casino <laughs> in Paris and they go with that Ferrari. So it works both ways, in fact. And uh, it's good because it's a place where you can see all these famous people, rich people, and all these people watching them, but nobody will annoy them. And that's very important because we we are used to live, since we are, we are children, we are used to live with all this wealthness, with famous people, and nobody bothers no one. You just look, you just watch, you speak about it, and then you take a drink, and you're very happy to have been in Monaco, to have experienced the Monte Carlo way of life. Well, and I noticed when we were there that all the signs are in French, Italian, and English. Everyone speaks French, Italian, or English and switches back and forth with amazing ease. And I think that really contributes to just the general feeling of the place, that everybody gets along and it's an international place. It's absolutely true because 120 nationalities live in Monaco. So for that reason, we used to speak in English. We used to communicate in general in English, and we've got a lot of Italian people too. So most of us speak Italian. And it's just very good because you just know that the people you are going to speak to are not of the same culture, of the same origins that you are, but still they want to, to experience Monaco. So we share with them. And as Monaco is safe, it's very relaxed, we don't have no reason to fight. So <laughs> that's very important. There's no aggressivity. There's no, um, no angriness. Well, certainly anyone that thinks about Monaco also thinks about the Grand Prix. It's one of the most amazing events that you hold there. Tell us a little bit about that, and tell us about some other highlights throughout the year of, of things that people would not want to miss when planning their travel calendar. Of course. You have to know first that we organize 700 events a year. Which and the Grand Prix being one, so you you can see that we were organized two events a day. It could be a Grand Prix, of course. It could be also the fireworks festival in July. It could be the tennis tournament in April, or you can have also the TV festival in July, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, in August, we have the Hercules, for example, the uh, athletic uh, competition that is very enthusiastic. Always something happening. We've got the Top Cars Festival exhibition that is uh, absolutely amazing, where all the best cars of the world are gathered. It's in April, too. I think that spring is absolutely wonderful to visit Monaco, but you can find, of course, in, uh, in summer and in autumn, you can find absolutely gorgeous things. And also in, uh, in winter, you've got all the opera season, the orchestra season, and the ballet season, of course, because you've oh, got very to know nice. Oh, yes, the Ballet de Monte Carlo are one of the best companies in the world. And tell us a little bit, we talked about the Prince's Palace. Any other have-tos on the list of things you have to see while you're there, attractions there in Monaco? Well, obviously the museum, the Oceanographical Museum of Monaco, is absolutely unique because it's been created at the same time as Oceanography. 
at the end of the 19th century. And because of that, you can find all the best aquariums in, in Southern Europe uh-huh. and, and find also uh, all scientific exhibitions dedicated to, of course, it's, it's made for the public. It's not, uh, it's not specialist, but it's very advanced in terms of science. And it, it, it is very, uh, very interesting to visit it. A museum is uh, something like 150 meters from the Prince's Palace, so you can't miss it when you go to see both. And of course, you've got also the Nouveau Musée de Monaco, which is a museums, both pair of museums dedicated to art and uh, modern art and uh, surprising art generally. And it's, it's temporary exhibitions that uh, that last for one month or two months, and you can experiment absolutely wonderful things there. One thing we haven't covered, which we did a lot of while we were there. Eating. They have some great restaurants there, great food. All I mean, we didn't have a bad meal the entire time we were in Monaco. Everything from Thai food, we went to Maya Bay, to, you know, we Excellent. ate on the rooftop of the Fairmont, to we just, you know, we went to Stars and Stripes, t- totally different casual experience. It was just a really very diverse in fact, we've been created, um, let's say, as a mix of, uh, mon- of French and Italian. It's a bit what is Monegasque. And how can it's you go wrong with that? French and right? Italian. So <laughs> more or less, let's say that gastronomy is part of our culture in, in an intimate way. That's very, very important. So we host, uh, of course, Alain Ducasse, but also all the best chefs of the world have got something in Monaco. And as we have been always welcoming people for, for 150 years, we welcome people from everywhere. We've got this Thai restaurant you mentioned that is absolutely wonderful, but we've got also a Japanese restaurant that has got a one-star Michelin. We've got also a lot of restaurants dedicated to the best of gastronomy. And in the same time, when you're tired of, um, let's say, uh, having a tuxedo for the night, you can just wear a T-shirt and go to the harbor where you can enjoy an excellent food for a very reasonable price. That food at the Maya Bay, we, I, that, the menu, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like a, a novel of pictures that's like 45 pages. <laughs> and it was like the most, I have to say, the best Thai food I have ever had in my life. I travel all my life, and I can tell you the same because I was at the Maya Bay even yesterday night. Is oh, a question. that makes me jealous. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Hey, Did you bring us a bag to go? <laughs> hey, well, I think I think talking about the food, yeah, that that pretty much sums up Monaco. Is they take all the best parts of a number of cultures, put them together in one small place, and see what happens, and it is magic. William Rose, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thanks to you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We'll be right back. the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host Jeff Griffin, and we are here doing a show on the lovely Monaco, the Principality of Monaco. You just heard our interview with Visit Monaco. We talked about a lot of places in there. In this upcoming segment, we're going to be talking about a lot of different places in Monaco. One thing you can do, go to TravelBrigade.com, click on the Hot Sheet tab, find the one that says Monaco Hot Sheet, and we'll have all the contact information for all these places we've been talking about. You can also look under our episode guide, and it's there as well. There's so many things to do there. We can't name them all, but these are have-tos. One thing I would start with is... Take Le Grand Tour, which is a cabriolet. It's basically your jump-on, jump-off tour for Monaco. And the reason I say you need to take it, especially here, I think they're generally a good way to you know, find out where things are. It's find the things you want to do. But in this case in particular, you really need to get a layout of the land in Monaco because it is everything's at a different height and place. What Monaco looks like on the map is completely different from what it looks like when you really get there. Yeah, don't look at a map. Look at maybe to go to Google Images and and look at some aerial pictures, and it'll give you a much better idea of of what you're looking at. Now, a couple of areas you really want to hit. One is called, in English, called the Rock, and that's kind of this high place up above looking down on the ocean and the rest of Monaco. And that's where the Prince's Palace is. And we had a really great time there. 
you Doing go the changing of the guards, yeah. You go at 11:55 a.m. That's when they do the changing of the guards, and so that's a good time to get there. And then before or after, you can tour the prince's palace, and that was that was really fun. A lot of really you know amazing things in there, and just a good way to get a sense of this country. Another area you cannot miss is the casino and the surrounding area. Yeah, the whole Monte Carlo area. Monte Carlo is actually a part of Monaco, a little section of Monaco. And you hear the word casino, and you think flashing lights, and come in for Cheap the buffet. 499 buffet. <laughs> this is not that. No, no Las Vegas here. This is a beautiful historical building, all the highest luxury people. Think a little 007. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly like that. It's it's that feel to it. And then just the area around it just has this great feel. You've got some gardens and a terrace across the way. You've got the Hotel de Paris there. You've got the Café de Paris. And Monte Carlo's Golden Circle. Do you know what that is? That is where they have all these names that mean something to you, but not necessarily to me. That Some of them I can't even pronounce very well. That is true. We have Louis Vuitton, Christian Dior, Christian Lacroix. Yves Saint Laurent, many, many more. Is that the starting five for the Monaco national basketball team? It is. It is. And the balance of your credit card. <laughs> you name it, they've got it here. I mean, this is it's it's almost like these guys invented luxury shopping. Yeah, and it's really just the south side of the casino. It's a couple of different streets that connect together, but it's everything you could ever want or just window shop if, you know, when your credit card runs out. <laughs> and I would say that whole Monte Carlo area is a great place to just, if you're looking for, hey, things are happening, things are going on, that's a great place to be because it's so convenient to so to just everything else around there. Every country has museums, or should I say principality in this case, and Monaco is no exception. They might hold some sort of a record for most museums per square meter <laughs> because in these two square kilometers, they've got a whole bunch. Yep, yep. We're just going to highlight some of them here, but go to visit Monaco or check out our website if you want to learn about more of them. One of the highlights is Prince Rainier III's vintage car collection. This is I know a, you don't get keys when you go. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> but, you know, this is the place where they hold the Grand Prix. This is the place where they know cars, and some of the great ones are there. Another one is the Oceanographic Museum. There's also the new National Museum of Art, and we could go on and on. Yes, there's so many things to keep you busy. Museums have to be on your list. Also, you can't even think about Monaco, the Principality of Monaco, without thinking of Princess Grace. Name me a better princess. Can't. Yeah. This is one more case where Monaco outperforms its geographic size. Best princess of all time, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and yet, no, England, I don't want letters from you. But, no, beautiful. Especially per capita. Think yeah. of that. <laughs> beautiful Hollywood royalty, glamorous, classy, just Everything you want in a princess, she was it. And they remember her there in Monaco. There is even a Princess Grace trail you can follow around the principality. There's 25 stops. They include a rose garden dedicated to her. You can also see her grave in the Monaco Cathedral. A lot of different famous places associated with her. And let's not forget the weather. Monaco is sitting right on the French Riviera. It's gorgeous. You're right on the Mediterranean Sea. You've got to spend some time at one of the beaches. There's a public beach called Larvado Beach, and you can actually walk there right from Monte Carlo. Easy to get to, easy access. We also stayed at La Meridian, which has a private beach, which was really great. You just walked right outside and had your own little private beach right there as well. So you cannot forget to spend some time there. Monaco is, of course, very famous for the Grand Prix that's held every May, and they turn all these amazing streets into a racetrack. I can, we weren't there during Grand Prix, but I can only imagine what it's like. That's true. It's held every May. Uh, we heard tickets start anywhere between sixty and $2,000. But there's another place to see one of the best places in the, the whole race. Yeah, the most well-known place in the whole race is what's called the Hairpin Turn, where they're literally making a 180, and they have to slow way down and then go around. Sitting right above that is the Fairmont Monte Carlo. Coming up next, we're going to be talking with the Fairmont Monte Carlo about that amazing location. Not only places to stay, places to eat, but the most, the best view of the Grand Prix. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Make sure you check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and at our website, TravelBrigade.com. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin in this magical town. We're talking today about Monaco. It's one of the places I always wanted to go growing up, and then we went amazing. Yeah, and you have certain travel experiences that just remain burned in your brain, and they're iconic travel experiences. One of mine happened at the Fairmont Monte Carlo. I was working out in the fitness room up there on the little jogging thing that you do, the little treadmill. 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 (laughs) And it looks directly down on that famous hairpin turn. Now, for those of you in the United States, you know about all the car ads that take place in Monaco, and you see that famous hairpin turn where the driver has to slow down, and you can actually see their eyes coming through there. I was running on the treadmill looking down on that hairpin turn. I know. We wanted to grab a rental car (laughs) and do our own little... (laughs) Something I will never forget. So the Fairmont Monte Carlo has this amazing location right there, not only on the water, but right over the hairpin turn. And here to tell us more about it is Antonio Ducheski. Antonio, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me there. We are so jealous. We were in Monaco not too long ago, and we want to be back. We want to magically reappear back in Monaco. We had such an amazing time. I can imagine. I can imagine. You guys are right on the water. You've got all these decks overlooking the water, yet you also, you're you're near Monte Carlo, the casinos and everything, and you're also, like I said, right on top of that hairpin turn. It's an amazing location. Yeah, I mean, I mean the view is probably one of the best uh, views that you can have in Monaco, and, and there's, there's so many things that, uh, you know, that the, the view can make in your memories. I'm just thinking about if you sit down on the terrace of the horizon, uh, having lunch at the uh, restaurant, the Fair Monte Carlo on the rooftop, and one of the amazing things you can discover about Monaco that if you take a picture from the top, you immediately capture three countries in one shot. So you sit down on the terrace in Monaco, and you look on the right-hand side, you have France, and on the left-hand side, you have Italy. It's pretty amazing to think about that, that in one shot, you have three countries. Well, I don't know. When we got there, and this is one thing I kind of thought would be fun to talk about, you do what the locals do. We flew into Nice and grabbed a helicopter and came to the hotel. Yeah, that's, that's very uh, impressive. You know, seven minutes from the helicopter, you can be uh, at the property uh, in Monaco. But, you know, some of the amazing stories that I can tell about Monaco and the proximity of everything. And talking about the helicopter, one story I always tell my client is that, if, for example, in March, if you take a helicopter in the morning, in 20 minutes you can go on the ski slopes, being skiing, and then back in the afternoon you can lie down on the beach and then go into a beautiful spa, which Monaco is full of, and, and you know, two fantastic experiences in the same day within minutes. Amazing. And it's such a great way to start your trip there to just get an aerial overview of the whole, all of Monte Carlo, all of Monaco. And it, it was such a spectacular experience taking that helicopter in. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's many amazing things about Monaco. And then the, the territory, as you know, is extremely small. Probably, uh, I'm going to tell you something which is not as glamorous as you might expect, but if you think about magic in Monaco, is uh, a territory of one square mile. There's 119 different nationalities living in, in peace and respecting each other. Which, if we think what's happening in the world, I mean, it's pretty pretty impressive on such a small territory. You know, the other ways of you know living the normal Monaco life. It's a special uh, treat in itself. If you go to the supermarket, you might bump in into uh, sports stars or actor or actress which are, you know, just doing their shop in the supermarket. And that ease of accessing, you know, very famous people in Monaco, it makes the whole atmosphere very special. Of course, 119 nationalities can live there and get along because it's so beautiful there. There's nothing to fight about. Another great, <laughs> oh, <absolutely. laughs> another great memory I have is you were talking about this, how you can see three countries from the top of your hotel. There was a spectacular restaurant we went to up on the top of the hotel, and there's a pool up there. That was just a great place to spend an afternoon and evening. Talk about some of the things that are up there on the top floor. Yeah, well, I mean, and aside from the restaurant, around the pool, we just opened last year a beautiful lounge, which we call the Billionaire Sunset Lounge by the brand, and it's open from 7 in the afternoon up to late at night, and it's a spectacular view of the full Riviera, uh, including, you know, the city of Monaco. So it, it, just being up there, 
is something very special. And sometimes we don't realize ourselves because we live here. But whenever the client comes and then experience the fantastic view, uh, for them it's really a, you know, a true one-lifetime experience. It's such a condensed area, but it's so popular. There's so many people that come there to vacation. There's other really, I mean, the caliber of hotels in Monaco is amazing. Indeed. I mean, every single hotel goes through a... Uh, regular renovations and then it's always, uh, you know, very up to speed with all the needs of uh, upscale clients and, you know, starting from the Monte Carlo Bay, the far end of Monaco, then the Meridian, uh, the firm Monte Carlo, and then you have the iconic place like Hotel de Paris, the Hotel Metropole, the Hermitage. I mean, really a, a wide range of very, very, very upscale hotels for every taste. You know, you have historical palace, you have beautiful resorts, you have more uh, modern and dynamic hotels like ourselves. A, really a wide range of choice and selections and everything upscale. Yeah, we were able to stay at the Meridian as well as the Fairmont, and they've got a private beach there, and that was that was really fun as well. It is indeed, yeah. The private beach is very special to have that in Monaco. Uh, and, and the water, I mean, is so clean in Monaco. It's unbelievable because we, so much, uh, we put so much energy in protecting the environment, and the destination is very much into the environmental issues. So, um, I mean, all, all around the hotel, actually, there's a marine reserve. Oh, really? The hotel is built on the water. We're Fairmont fans, for sure. We, <laughs> we haven't been to a Fairmont that we haven't liked, and part of that reason is the hospitality of the staff. It doesn't matter whether you are there in Monte Carlo at the Fairmont, whether you're in Banff, whether you're in Sonoma, whether you're in Bermuda. The Fairmont has a certain caliber that you expect, and it's not overbearing in a way that some people might think. It's just very comfortable, but always available, always friendly, and that's one part that we, we've just had some really amazing experiences just from dealing with the staff at some of the Fairmonts, so it's really one of our go-to places. And the Fairmont Monte Carlo was no, no exception to that. You see, in Fairmont, we have a very simple mission. We say that we want to turn moments into memories for our client, and everything turns around this small little sentence that says almost everything, what we want to do for our clients, the service, the experience, the discovery, uh, the small things that make a very special say. And, of course, in Monaco, you also have a special say, but we want to make it even more special. Tell us a little bit about any other highlights of the hotel, why the Fairmont Monte Carlo is, is a choice when they come to town. Well, what we discussed earlier on about the Grand Prix, I mean, it's, it's a very special thing to, uh, to leave. Quite surprisingly, uh, we leave the Grand Prix 12 months a year. If you look at the number of people that stops in front of the hotel to take pictures of the Thermal Hairpin, which is probably the most famous band in the Formula One circuit, it's about hundreds of people every day, you know, coming right in front of the hotel, taking pictures of themselves because <laughs> they want to see themselves in a place. If you sit down at the Café de Paris, right at the Casino Square, you see so many Bentleys, Ferrari, Lamborghini. <laughs> I've never seen that in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grand Prix is actually an extremely special event. I mean, being at the Fair Monte Carlo during the Grand Prix, it's just not being in a movie. You are the movie. Because, you know, got cars going around you, going in front of you, all the pilots coming. It's something really amazing. But other places in the hotel which are worth having a look at, it's, for example, the Saphir Bar overlooking with a full view of what they see. It's, we have a 24-hour service. It's probably the only place in Monaco that is open 24 hours oh, wow. uh, with a spectacular view. And what we serve on Sunday, a very special Sunday jazz brunch signed by Philippe Janet, which is executive chef. Uh, it's very, very popular in town. It's very relaxed, very convenient. Um, and the Willow Stream Spa, I mean, that's the best place to relax after a nice day walking around in Monaco. So the billionaire pool club up on the pool deck, they'll let me in even though I'm just a few million shy of a billion? No, no, no. I mean, a billionaire sounds like lunch is just a concept. I mean, not taking on the billionaire brand. But, you know, anyone can access it. They're just uh, living the experience and feeling a little bit special. Actually, we, we now put in place a, a winter billionaire as well. And uh, we, we, the Horizon restaurant during the winter is closed, and we turn the Horizon restaurant up on the top of the roof uh, into a billionaire club during the winter, uh, and it's very successful. Now we, know how, now we have to go back. And it's true. When you're in Monaco, you do feel like you're worth a billion dollars. It just, it just has that, no, that kind of a feel. No, it is. It's amazing. It's just a magical experience. 
Well, thank you, Antonio, so much for helping us out and letting us know more about the Fairmont Monte Carlo and visiting Monaco. Also, if you want information about the Monaco, we're going to be putting that on our hot sheet for the show, and then you'll be able to connect right there to the Fairmont in Monte Carlo. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We'll be right back. You're going to get a little hungry when you're traveling the globe. Whether it be fine dining, a regional specialty, or a small local street cart, you gotta eat. Next up, you gotta eat. Mmm, good. Welcome back to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host Jeff Griffin talking about the lovely Principality of Monaco. As we talked about earlier, Monaco takes all these great cultural traditions from all over the world, brings them together into this one two-kilometer principality, and mixes them up and gets some of the best results. This is one of our favorite segments because we get to explore all sorts of things with Gotta Eat. This was such a funny experience being in Monaco because we went to high-ranked restaurants and we did little funny things as well, which we'll talk about. I think the one common theme through all of them is you can just about anywhere you go there get great seafood because you're right there on the Mediterranean. Well, and how can you go wrong? You've got Italy on one side and France on the other. <laughs> I mean, talk about some great food. To start with, we're not even going to talk about Italy or France. We're going to talk about Japan and Thailand at the Maya Bay which was right next door to the La Meridian. Now, some people are going to be go Maya Bay, what is that? Never heard of it. Well, let me tell you, all you have to do is type in gourmet food in Monaco, type in Thai, type in anything to do with Maya Bay, and it will show up all over the place on any Google search because it is amazing. Now, let me tell you, because my parlez-vous français is un peu... I always get a little nervous when I go to places and I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to order. No need to fear here at the Maya Bay because when we walked in, they handed us a what we call in America a coffee table book <laughs> <laughs> full of pictures with um, descriptions of each menu item in, I think, four or more languages. Yeah, every menu item had its own page with its own picture and its own description. And we even brought one of these books home. It's one of our favorite sort of uh, little travel artifacts because it is a book. Show everybody. We ate here. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a book <laughs> unto itself. Yes. The food was even better than what the pictures made it look. That's true. I mean, the ambiance is just really fun. It's a, it's a really well-put-together restaurant. The decor is great. But when the food started coming, we were blown away. I have to say, I have always liked, you know, Asian-influenced food. But this, by far, has to be one of my favorite places I've ever gone in my life. And we kind of did a tasting menu with them. So there were some things where they kind of recommended and say, hey, try this, which were things that we might never have tried. And we're like, okay. And, <laughs> and they ended up being just spectacular. These prawns that they had wrapped in uh, black and white sesame seeds were amazing. Every bite of every dish kept getting better. Chicken and coconut milk, all the way to this dessert that was an architectural design. Yeah, amazing experience. And if you go over to Monte Carlo and you're there at the casino, a couple of great places to stop in. One is just the Café de Paris right there. It's just right there on the plaza where the Monte Carlo Casino is and overlooking everything that's going on there. Great place to just hang out, get a coffee, get something to eat, and watch. People watching there is fantastic. And you cannot talk about dining in Monaco without talking about the Hotel Paris and also the Louis XV restaurant. It is one of the highest rated restaurants, certainly in Monaco. I would care to say, when I see it reviews all over Europe, it is one of the highest rated. It's got 250,000 bottles of wine. I was there a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the French know a little bit about cooking, and you've got a lot of French influence there. You've got a lot of Italian influence there, but you can find everything there. We even found an American-influenced restaurant. For those of you who might be traveling from America and get a little bit homesick, there's a place called Stars and Bars. It has an American-themed menu, but they've got a lot more beyond that. And one of the great things about it is you can just hang out. It's down in a place called Port Hercule, which is where everybody parks all these magnificent yachts. You haven't seen yachts until you've walked around this port. No, I was born and raised on the water. And let me tell you, 
all the yachts I grew up around, they look like putt-putts compared to <laughs> these are amazing, amazing things. They had yachts with like littler yachts that come off the back. Exactly. <laughs> and then littler yachts. It's like a, one of those Russian nesting dolls. I know. But anyway, you can hang out there at Stars and Bars. Another good place down there is Explorer's Pub. Again, this is the Port Hercule area. They've kind of turned that in the past few years into a place where there's quite a few different restaurants, and it's just a great place to hang out, get a drink. I was going to say very busy after hours, kind of your happy hour kind of place. You see people just enjoying a glass of wine, eating. I mean, we probably there from like 5 to 7.30 or 8, we were there, and it was just busy. The whole area was just extremely busy. Now, if you know us, you know that our dining experience usually runs from the very high end to the Hey, that looks like fun. Let's try it. Variety. Street cart, taco, yeah, everything. Yeah. We, li- we like to get the whole experience, and Monaco was no exception. And one thing we like to do, too, is sometimes just go to American fast food restaurants, not because we're craving, like, oh, we got to have a burger, but just Well, to one see- time I did when I was about traveling for a month, but most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time, it's just really interesting to, one of my favorite things is to go to a supermarket and just see how different just a daily trip to the supermarket is in that country from what I'm used yes, to. Yes, and it's actually one of our little travel tips. We always tell people to go to the local market here in Monaco, the Supermarché, and it's a great place to pick up souvenirs and items. Um, we were getting, uh, I think, a, a lunch or something as we were getting from one place to another. There's great things that you can pick up, and it's just really, really fun to have that experience. Going back to the old American fast food thing, we walked by McDonald's, and I was craving, yes, a Coke, and no, they are not a sponsor, but I did need I wanted a little coke and so I went to um I went to McDonald's and I had forgotten I don't know why but the Europeans do not like their ice the one place I've seen ice in Europe is sangria yes. in Barcelona <laughs> we can't talk about that right every, now <laughs> everywhere else I, I don't know but but no, there was a couple little funny yeah. menus on the it, item and we laughed we got some palm frits and a and a, and a diet coke to go yeah. With no ice. <laughs> so there are places like that if, if you're just walking from one place to another, just want to grab something quick. So they've got the whole spree there in Monaco. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Really, it's some phenomenal eating. Again, Maya Bay was amazing. Some of these other restaurants, Stars and Bars, was just really fun for the atmosphere. Some really great places. We're going to post contact information for all of those on our website, TravelBrigade.com. You go there, you click on the Hot Sheet button and Monaco Hot Sheet, or you can just click on the episode guide and it's also listed there. Well, we have told you about so many great things to do, and coming up, we're going to each pick our top three that we liked best, which here is going to be really hard to do. That's right. He said, she said, coming up next here on Travel Brigade. Make sure that you check us out on Twitter, Facebook, or our website, TravelBrigade.com. We'll be right back. They don't always agree, but they always seem to have the reasons. Next up, Travel Brigade's countdown of their favorites from this week's show on He Said, She Said. Welcome back to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin talking about the beautiful, magical Monaco. The Principality of Monaco. That's true. I love the way that trips off my tongue. Principality. Yes. We've come to the point in the show where we have to pick our top three favorite things. And in Monaco, that is sure difficult. It is very difficult. I had a hard time picking my top three. We start from the third, go work up to our favorite. I have to say... I still love telling this story. I feel like I'm going to tell it forever when I hand people my coffee table book and say we ate at this restaurant at the Maya Bay. Well, you hand them the coffee table book and say, this was the menu. Yeah. (laughs) This wasn't the buy the book and take it home. This was like anybody who walks in gets this. Yes, they were so kind to let us have one. and, And it was just like, it's just... I don't know how to explain it. It was just one of those experiences that we just still, you know, kind of go, wow, I can't I can't believe it. Great food, great environment. Anyone that goes to Monaco has to go to the Maya Bay. All right. So that was she said number three. He said number three was just being at the Monte Carlo Casino and that whole area at night. It was just fun. It's a place you've heard about, a place that's famous, and it's one of those places where you're just there and you just kind of feel the energy of the place and there's all these amazing cars going around and people Jeff pulled out around. his dinner jacket, was doing his 007. He looked hot. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's it's one of those places that you've heard about, and then you go there, and it lives up to the billing, and I love that. My number two is just quintessential going up. You know, I've been in London during the changing of the guards. It's very big and elaborate. I've been to London during the opening of Parliament, and I thought the changing of the guards was just it was just so like Monaco. It was classy yet petite. I loved it. I thought it was a great experience. It was very fun being there, being up by the Prince's uh, Palace and watching that. It was it was really a fun and unique experience. It was very different because they've got, number one, they've got, they're on the Mediterranean, so they've got these uniforms that are not big and heavy. They're more suited to that climate. And then, yeah, you go to the changing of the guards. And at, all white. They're yeah. All white. And you go to the changing of the guards, you know, at Buckingham Palace, and I don't know, it's what, hundreds of guys. This was what, 12 to 15 guys, Mm -hmm. which is just, I bet it was, when you're there, you're just going, oh, this is just so perfect for Monaco. My, he said, number two was being at the beach at the La Meridian Hotel. We started out at the beach, had a little drink down there, came up, had some lunch in their restaurant, again, looking over the beach, freshly prepared fish right there, went outside, hung out by a pool, you know, one of those great days when you just going from relaxed to more relaxed. <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind, in my mind at all, what my number one is. And it was getting on a helicopter from the Nice airport, flying in like many of the locals do, get picked up, do a flight from their international airport or regional airport to fly from Nice to Monaco. I think it's seven minutes long and it is the most exhilarating thing just you know, getting in this helicopter, flying over the coast of of this beautiful French Riviera area, and then landing there in Monaco, being shuttled to your hotel. I just, I don't know how it gets any better than that. Hard to top, hard to top. Perhaps mine does. I don't know. Again, that's why we saw it. He said, she said. <laughs> mine was being on the top floor of the Fairmont Monte Carlo oh, for, yeah. for a number of different reasons. That was... Yeah. Number one, the horizon deck where you can get something to eat. You can, as we talked about, you can look around and see into three different countries and overlook the Mediterranean. They also have a pool area up there, which we went to at night, and beautiful up there at night and the beautiful night air and everything like that. And then they also have a fitness room up there where I was doing the treadmill overlooking the hairpin turn for the Grand Prix. <laughs> So I had three experiences there in just one small area that I don't think I'll, you know, those will be travel memories I'll always have. That's true. And the lunch was so great. And we had an amazing, some amazing companions at lunch as well. Some locals from there in Monaco. And that just made the experience even better. Yeah, it was it was hard to top. <laughs> I think that lunch went on forever, it seemed like. Well, actually, it didn't seem like it went on forever, but yeah. when I looked at my clock, I was like, oh, we've been here chatting and eating and looking at the beautiful thing, and it's just been hours, and it was just, yeah, it really was a, a very great experience. We'll be back next week with yet another cool spot around the globe. Until then, there are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whatever stage you're in, we hope you'll join us next week for Travel Brigade. Make sure that you check us out on our website, TravelBrigade.com. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. See you next week. Enjoy the trip. You have been listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and at TravelBrigade.com.